Welcome to the Anime Book Club. We are covering JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, The Stardust Crusaders, episode 14 and 15. Matt, how's it going? I'm joining you for JoJo. You're joining for JoJo. Actually, um, I know these don't post the same week we record them, so this is a little like spaced out of time, but we, we just have to mention, and we won't go into too much detail about this, that it has been announced that JoJo Lion is ending next month, which oh, is crazy. Is that is that an arc? So Jojo Lion is the name of what Jojo Part Eight is. So the, just as Jojo Part Three is called uh, Stardust Crusaders, Jojo Eight is called um, Okay Jojo Lion. So Jojo Lion is what came after the Stone Ocean, which you were very happy with. No, nope, Steel Ball Run. God damn. Okay. So there's, there's a lot of these things. However, um, Jojo switched to monthly. I'm uh, monthly instead of weekly. So Jojo Lion has actually been the Jojo for the last decade. And it has not been hinted whether or not it is the end of all JoJo's or if a JoJo 9 will begin. Really? A decade for the for the part eight right now? Yeah, because it went from wow. being a weekly sh a weekly comic to a monthly. We it are comes that... out like an American comic book. Wow, we are that far away. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to think. So yeah, ten, 10 years of JoJo. So we, we could be recording this next time... We are within episodes of finding out if there's a part nine, which I time capsule wise, I know this does this gets in the way of us discussing an anime that aired years ago on television. But time capsule wise for JoJo fandom, it has never been a better time to start a JoJo podcast. You know, fair. <laughs> Alrighty, you ready to dip into the episodes we watched? Yes. Alrighty, so episode fourteen, Justice Part One, uh, man. <laughs> This is the uh, the show version of paying your taxes. We open with Jojo buying a coat that looks exactly like the coat he had. <laughs> that was impressive, Taylor. Like, I legit thought that when his jacket burned, Rocky was finally giving into a wardrobe change this season. Mm -hmm. but, like, nope. No, no. <laughs> you know, maybe he was going to pull, like, another jacket out of his suitcase and, like, chicken out of the wardrobe change. Which, I guess, this is so much weirder. It, this, this is, is so super much weird. weirder. <laughs> It's like, no, he didn't pack a backup jacket. He will pay someone in Pakistan to make him a suit. An exact How? replica of his Chain old jacket. Chain and all. Chain and all. Uh. I love that. I love that note. I think that's great. Um, it's really funny because the lady tries to strike up a conversation, and he's quick on the cash draw, like hands her the money and then leaves. Um, we have a quick scene with Annie who... Uh, is furiously not happy about being written out of the show. <laughs> Doesn't I want know. to be written out of the show. They're sending away their best character. I felt the same way. I'm See, like, they... you, you can't get rid of Annie. Yeah, I'm upset with them. I am upset with them all for sending her away, even though it's logistically the correct thing to do. Oh, 100%. However, the next two episodes, Annie would have figured out real quick. <laughs> you know, I really think, yeah. There would have been no Paul Nareff just dumbing around there would have there would not have been a chime for a plot twist Annie would have seen through that um but yeah they, they stick her out of plane she doesn't want to leave a joseph like puts a hand on her shoulder and he's like hey listen here i've got a daughter who's dying isn't that inspiring uh and then she gets on the plane <laughs> you know this scene didn't do much to help forget that she this 50 year old 54 year old woman looks like a child i know she it's it's so amazing she you can't tell you can't tell <laughs> 
Uh, um, but yeah, she gets on the plane. looks like she's not going to say goodbye to Jotaro because he's busy buying. I love the fact that it's like he decided to buy that jacket while she was going to the airport. <laughs> Jojo cared not for others. He did that on purpose. <laughs> he showed up just in time on purpose for the farewell. And he didn't look at her. He's like walking parallel to the plane while she's like screaming her head off like, bye, Jojo. Good luck, seven your He is so cool. <laughs> And then uh, yeah, she's just written out of the show. Goodbye, Anne. I guess I I can only do. You, I what's the is she gone? Well, it's, I'm wondering the way you're talking. I'm assuming she's gone because you got it. She wouldn't be a character in the anime and not the manga, right? Correct. Well, but I don't to... remember her. I didn't remember her at all. You'd have to remember her. So I, I'm assuming she's gone. I read this show in my twenties. <laughs> My favorite character was Jotaro because he barely talked and punched people. Wow. I have refined taste now. <laughs> Much better. That's a bad opinion you just had there. <laughs> I like that. Like, please call me out on that. The intro plays. And uh, we get a quick history lesson about Pakistan. I took zero notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot that even happened. Yeah, the narrator. I'm just... I will... And I guess the one note I write every time they have a history thing is I'm really bummed that we misguessed what Kekyoin's deal was. I was really hoping he'd be a tourist this whole show. You're hoping we'd get more information from him like everywhere they went? Yeah, well, he only did it in the first city, and it was a really yeah. great bit. I, I wish they had kept up with that. My headcanon is still he's a tourist. We're just yeah, not getting it anymore. Well, the audience hears the narrator say it, but the characters are hearing Kekyoin talk nonstop about the foundation of pakistan hey quick question why the fuck is polnareff still the driver it so i are jotaro and kekoin not old enough to drive <laughs> you know i don't how, how does that work in japan like i <laughs> i don't know what the driving age in japan is well there's not a lot of cars in japan right? right so like it's not even just the age it's the culture like i honestly don't know how young they would learn to drive or how if everyone learns to drive even I don't, I don't know so i actually have that exact same thought where i'm like why do they keep why is why is polnareff driving and my theory is that jotaro and kekyoin know how to drive and joseph made polnareff do it <laughs> <laughs> uh, joseph just doesn't want to yeah, he's like, I'm not driving. It's <laughs> all weird East Year's vision cars and your wheels on the right side. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's from England. Maybe he's, well, he's 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 God native. He probably yeah. drives on the right side. Of the <laughs> he feels very, I, like, he's from England, but I feel like he keeps being referred to as the American JoJo. Well, he moved to America when he was 16 or something. Right, he's, yeah, he's... Like, like, everything about him, I think, is, is American at this point. He's our JoJo. We're I taking mean, him. I mean, his his own flesh and blood uh, stand daughter yeah. last episode or two said, I am Joseph, American. That's a good point. When, when, you're, uh, when a growth on your arm outs you as an American, you should believe it. When people, uh, show, speaking, when yeah. people show you their true selves, Pat, you believe yeah. them. They yell their, their chosen nationality. <laughs> uh, speaking of Jojo or Joseph, we have a great moment where he just out loud is just trying to strike up a conversation with his grandson. It's like, real crazy you could buy a Japanese uniform in Pakistan, Jotaro. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're bored. Like, if the intro wasn't enough, they made sure you're like, wait a minute, that is insane. It's 100% wool. 
I wonder if that's really hot. That is such a great response. He's like, yeah, I got it in wool. Except for the chain. Mm. Chain is not wool. Uh, it is mad foggy. And uh, Paul Naraf is still the driver. Yes, we, we've already discussed that. Sorry, my, my notes are not in the order of this conversation. Is, he, is this at the point where he's already lamenting toilets? That Yes, this is exactly yeah. where we are. He's driving and he's, he's like, I can't wait to get out of this this country because I assume his whole theory is like the further west they go, the better the toilets will be. He's like, uh. so ready for a good <laughs> toilet. Because uh, he's, he's French, so he's getting closer to he's coming going closer to home, right? Yeah, he he wants a country that was colonized by the French, not the British. That's what he's looking for. <laughs> uh, Polnareff, it's JoJo's bizarre adventure. Polnareff's toilet odyssey. If he if uh, so if there was Yelp in this show, all of Polnareff's reviews would be about toilets. He's very toilet centric, which plays against him. Yeah, extremely so. I I hate that. It's a bummer that that's his defining characteristic, but you know that's he, what we got. He lives. He'll, he's gonna live that nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, Jotaro then notices that there's like a dead dog on a pike or a spike or something, but refuses oh, to man. tell the team about it. <laughs> but oh man, they're like dead dogs. That's the uh, that's like a Joestar omen, isn't it? Yeah. If you see one of those, you should be like. And Joseph's here, like, man, you seem real bummed. What's wrong, like, man? Yeah, I think, yeah, we're down right here. Why wouldn't you share that shit? He refuses to tell the team. He refuses to tell the team. Um, once they get into town, it's not great. It's a creepy fog town. No one's really talking. No one's really looking around. Uh, we then have in a, a great moment, a fantastic mm. moment, where Joseph is like, don't worry, guys. <laughs> it's like the Ba Weep Grana Weep Ninny Bon of this episode. <laughs> All right, he, I, he, he, yeah. Just Joseph is. I've already done. Joseph, Joseph is the diplomat of this team. He's he the is, diplomat. He goes up. The question I got for you is the thing he does. It's like I don't know. Do you think he's being dumb, or is he I, at least some onto something? I think that he's right, but I think maybe. See, I think maybe he's putting too much of a show into it. Like, if he had walked up to that store owner and he says, Asalaka, Asalaka Malakam, uh, but they, they uh, enunciate every single part of it. He did, though. Didn't the voice actor actually do that? Yeah, it's like, Asalaka. Yeah. So I don't know if they, they slowed it down for the show, but he looks like a jerk. Like, he's, like, yeah. overdoing it. It's like, look at me. I'm the local. <laughs> he's saying the right thing, but he's like, it's like, hello, Gensa. Like, no one would say that to me. And rightly so. And what a what is a great comedic beat. The store owner takes the open sign of his store and flips it closed in his face. Like, in anime speed fashion, too. Like, bam, it's closed. Bam. Doesn't lose a beat. Looks just dead in the face. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's wonderful because the guy is deadpanning all of it. And uh, I did look it up. So, yeah, that is the correct thing. It, it means, like, okay. peace unto you or something. So it is, like, the polite way in the in, you know in that. Good on Joseph, then. Abdal probably told him. You know, still good on him for listening. He listened. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, remember? Abdul. Oh, Abdal. He would have he helped in this episode. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, let me Abdul see here. Abdal was Egyptian, right? Like, he was actually from Yeah, he was Egyptian. Egyptian. Okay. But I assume he would know that saying and would have talked about it. He seemed worldly. Yeah. Well, he was very... Remember, he liked... He was an Egyptian that liked India, so he seemed traveled. Yeah. Um, He liked the hustle and bustle of Calcutta. Oh, Abdul. 
He likes blowing up dinner tables and the hustle and bustle of a big city. Those are just two things. Screaming birds. Oh, this, however, is great. So the man deadpans Joseph after his whole thing. And instead of letting it go, he tries to, like, dial him up on an imaginary phone, which 100% doesn't win that guy over. Which I thought was great. Like, he did, like, a little imaginary, like, rotary phone. He's like, hello? Anyone there? He's the best character, and I'm never going to change my opinion on that. It's great. Uh, we then, like, like grandson, like grandpa, the dude turns around, walks away, and Joseph notices that there are bugs crawling around on the dude, but he then doesn't tell the team. Yes, and I'm freaking out at this point, because no, you did not imagine that. Like, is, is, is this the point where he says, no, I must have imagined that? He's like, oh, man, geez, I'm all uptight. Boof. Doesn't tell the team. Doesn't go like, hey, I thought I saw that guy covered in bugs. Nope. Him and Joseph, or him and JoJo, if they had just talked. And it's like, no. Like, at this point, this is this beat has happened over and over in all these episodes. They are under constant attack from the, from the almost supernatural in this world. Yeah. No, you didn't imagine it. Not one single weird fucking thing they have seen this entire journey. They have never imagined it. You know who would have mentioned the bugs? Yes. And should have been here. <laughs> and would have been like, that guy's covered in bugs. Let's get out of here. This town sucks. Like, Mr. Joestar, there's totally bugs on that guy. I'm not Joestar, I'm Abdal. Yeah, he'd be like, come back to the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then have a weird moment where Paul Naraf is like, well, that's, let me ask this guy. And it turns out that the dude he tries to talk to is dead and he falls over and he was full of lizards. Uh, fortunately, because this happened loudly, the team, kept, it, Paul Naraf is unable to not tell the team about this because it loudly happens and everyone understandably freaks out. Um, we then enter a Phoenix Wright or CSI investigation of the body. A um, couple things of note that I liked about all this is uh, Jotaro says the line, well, they, they see that the guy's face is all like freaking out. They're like, maybe he died of a heart attack. And Jotaro goes, this is no ordinary heart failure. Uh <laughs> Uh, I threw it down. JoJo CSI. I think that's yeah. a good description of what they break down onto. I just love where he's like, this is no ordinary heart failure. And they're like, what do you mean? And in my mind, it's like, does JoJo know about hearts? No, the guy's holding a gun that's been fired. And then Joseph is able to tell how long ago it was fired. Everyone has a lot of CSI knowledge Did in I this miss, scene. Like, no one heard that gun go off, right? Did I no. miss the gunshot? No. You did not miss the gunshot. Nobody heard the gunshot. Okay. I like Joseph's immediate response to seeing a dead guy's got to be like, fuck this. I'm not going to be a one man in Pakistan, too. Yeah. Oh, God. It really should have been. It's like, God, I've been framed again. <laughs> like, I'm a man in like half the countries of the world. Like, Kekoid tries to go get the cops, and Joseph should be like, yo, dog, cool it. <laughs> Keep this on the download. We can't be wanted in another country. <laughs> uh, we have a. A, a scene that's just gross. Um, Kekoin tries to get someone to call the police, and he ends up talking to this lady who's, like, covered in, like, pus and has got these, like, really gross... It's gross. It's really gross. However, Kekoin, 100% best boy, is not rude, nor does he make a big deal about it and still tries to talk to this gross lady. Because Kekoin, you know, he's he's a man of principle. He's He is, understandably, which is great because he's like, we need you to call the police. Why? The dead body. What dead body? That dead body. Oh, there's a dead body? Yes, this dead body. <laughs> and yeah, he doesn't break a sweat. He does nothing. He is so polite, he lets this person mess with him. And then she just leaves. 
<laughs> the best thing too is like after she leaves, refusing to call the police, he's like, I have a bad feeling about this town. She's got like a weird she's got a like creepy looking baby too. Oh yeah, she's got a creepy baby, she's got a creepy kid. It's like uh, Creep Town USA, and this is finally what gets Cat Coin to start being like, huh. Maybe this place isn't above the level. This <laughs> this town coated in fog. Uh <laughs> They haven't taken off the jacket just yet, have they? We're not there yet. We got a couple of things I okay. want to talk about before we get to the jacket. Um, number one, Jotaro then notices that dog he saw earlier just walking around being creepy. Yeah, so we have a ghost dog. Could be any dog. Yeah. And then they literally notice that there is a Harry Potter-esque fog skull in the eye. <laughs> I mean, the sky. Yes. Once again, you didn't fucking imagine it. <laughs> They're they just, just like, oh my god, Death Eaters. Yes, it's like a giant Death Eater flying in the sky of the fog. It's almost like a sandstorm is what it looks like. But I, guess I think lightning literally starts happening around it, too. Like, it's not subtle. Oh yeah, straight up, yeah, giant flash of lightning. And then it's not even sand anymore. It turns into, like, the physical manifestation of, a, like, a Castlevania boss by the look of yeah. it. Yeah. With a giant justice card flashed behind it, I assume, for Dremont. Yeah. I, I, oh my goodness, it's ridiculous. And they don't really react to that. We do have a great There's... moment where Jotaro says the line, this must be the work of another stand user. <laughs> Which I like. Uh, <clears throat> Jotaro's the thinking guy now, all of a sudden. And Jotaro, well, now that Anne's gone, I Jotaro guess... has to step up. He's not as smart as Anne, but he'll he try. I guess he's been lazy up until these last people episodes. He just doesn't want to try. I guess, yeah, I guess, you know what? If you have someone who's the most level-headed character in a show, you don't really need to step up. <laughs> he didn't need to have competition with her. Uh, then we get full-blown CSI as Joseph then uses a pen because he's worried about, like, if the cops do show up, they don't want to have their hand, their fingerprints or be all touchy on the corpse, so he's using a his. pen. Mm-hmm. Especially, he doesn't want his fingerprints on Yeah. It. <laughs> Wear gloves. But he's using a pen to dig through, just like in a cop show, like looking in there, looking in there. And they notice like a hole in the dude. And he's like, oh, there's a hole. There's like no wound stuff. It's a hole. There's no blood. And uh, they they note that this is not a normal murder. <laughs> Which there's is another no, great. There's no ordinary murder. There's no ordinary murder here. <laughs> uh, they then remove the guy's shirt and he is like covered in holes. And Polnareff then goes like, it's like Swiss cheese from Tom and Jerry. No, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. He says, it's like the cartoon cheese you'd see in Tom and Jerry. Oh, okay. The Frenchman did not know what Swiss cheese was. Maybe he refuses to acknowledge the Swiss. <laughs> My only thought I could go with. It's like, why wouldn't he just call it Swiss cheese? Well, you just have to... I like the character building aspect that he's thinking about Tom and Jerry. <laughs> was Tom and Jerry... No, Tom and Jerry's old. Yeah, this is this is eighties, right? We're looking at eighties. I'm like, this is nineteen. I think this is like nineteen eighty four or something like that. Yeah, definitely Tom and Jerry's then. And Polnareff is definitely Polnareff's definitely a Saturday morning cartoon dude. One hundred percent. Yeah, he's he is he doesn't tell other people about that, but he is big into Tom and Jerry. He pull you over and be like, "Hey, oh, it's set in nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, Tom and Jerry is definitely older than nineteen eighty nine. Later than I thought." Um, but yeah, we have on the verge of the nineties on the verge of the nineties, but yeah, we get that. That's a great Polnareff kind of character building moment. Uh, we then, we finally get someone acting bright in the fact that Joseph is like, well, screw this noise and tries to jump into the car. <laughs> I'm not going to be a one up man here. 
Yeah, he's like, screw this. There's a murder scene. There's a stand user. Let's get out of here. And then, and I'm still not quite sure how this worked, but he he is he he's either teleported or something. This doesn't really connect with how justice works when we find out how justice works. But instead of jumping into the car, he is uh, soon to realize that he is jumping onto the top of like a metal fence with like sharp pointers. It almost impales himself. He do Haman. It made the Haman noise. Like he he, dr- he brings out the purple hermit to try and save himself before he gets impaled, and it makes the Haman noise for some reason. I was like, is he gonna use Haman for some reason? Haman doesn't work on metal. Maybe it's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it does. Remember, you just gotta constantly supply it. It's just I. Uh, we can't we can't use Haman on this door, Jojo. You're trapped. Never mind the bricks. <laughs> Oh, that, that was a good episode. <laughs> or the existence of the silver metal overdrive. I'm sorry, I'm holding grudges about Haman and metal. It'll stick with me for the rest of my days. Um, But yeah, it does. He makes like a Haman sound, which maybe he just does um, out of habit. Yeah, yeah. instinctively, yeah. Uh, and he uses Purple Hermit to stop himself from being like stabbed at the last second. As far as the the reason that happens goes, though, like remember, like the very last thing we learned, spoiler alert, is that, um, like every oh, other fog, stand in yeah. existence, it does bullshit. It has it has like secondary and tertiary bullshit things it can do for no reason. Yeah, I guess the fog so, can obscure. Yeah, yeah. So did he? I guess did he think he was jumping into the car? I guess yeah. I guess well, with what everyone else says, like instead of seeing him in trouble, almost stabbing himself and being like, "Oh my god, was that the work of an enemy stand?" They're like. Oh, crazy old man trying to jump into a fence and kill himself. The car's over here, doofus. Yep. Illusions, Michael. It was an illusion. Illusions. I was tricked. Like, the best part is, like, why does he go, like, it must have been an enemy stand. He's like, oh, I guess I got confused. Like, he has an excuse. They should be. I don't understand how they don't all just aren't completely so paranoid that they see the sunrise in the morning and don't say, enemy stand user at this like, point. If one of them has a tummy ache, they should be like, is this an enemy stand? It's that uh, it's like that anime meme. Is this a butterfly? Is this a is this yeah. a bird? <laughs> Except yeah, they, in their case, they're justified. <laughs> is this an enemy stand? Oh crap! Uh, I need to make that. Are you going to Photoshop right now? <laughs> I'm just like, uh, is this is this a meme format? Yeah, there we go. I'm gonna make one of those where it just says, "Is this an enemy stand?" Beautiful. Totally gonna do that. How dumb will that be? But I'm not going to label the butterfly. I'm just going to have it. He's just, no, just going to say, is this an enemy stand? No, if you can, photo, Photoshop some like purple hermit around it or something. Oh, that'd be great. Um, I guess we should have more of a blog based around this podcast where we can put our dumb stuff. Yeah, maybe. I mean, at, at some point, we should sell t-shirts that say bamboo juice on them. <laughs> uh, I, I do feel a little bad about belaboring the bamboo, the bamboo juice point because... Sugarcane does look like a bamboo. Yeah, I was you're, you're not you're not wrong. I was tired, but I will it, say that it's it like is it is a bamboo technically, so Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so um here's here's where things get real. Uh the old lady, uh Enya Baba or or the hag Enya, whatever you want to call her. And depending on the wiki. Uh, Enyaba really? shows up. Yeah, I think the wiki calls her the hag Enya. Or any of the or, hag. That was the neat thing I noticed in the translation. Um, from I don't remember when it was in this episode or the next when they refer to her. I think 
uh, someone calls her by her name in Yaba, but it, it got translated to hag. So I'm wondering if like Abba or Ababa or something at the end doesn't mean hag. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, old woman is uh, Obaba, I think. Okay, so probably so I, some, somewhere in there. I think it's a play on words, but it's it's a reference to the the Irish singer Enya. Oh yeah, that part's there. Um, but Enya's Enya's in the house. Old lady shows up, and uh, boy, in a town full of people that won't make eye contact and aren't nice, she's like, "I've got a little B and B," and everyone's like, "A B and B? Holy moly!" And they just go with her. Sign us up. Did Polnareff not immediately say, we finally met a normal person? Polnareff does say, we finally met a normal person. <laughs> he is clearly the brains of this operation, Pat. Polnareff, I think we've discussed that Polnareff <laughs> basically has the brain of a puppy. That's, yeah, that's about accurate. <laughs> and he, that, that, is his, that is his charm. Uh, we have a quick little ad break there. And when we come back, the cops have finally shown up and uh, they're taking the body away. And as they walk towards the uh, hotel, the team is basically talking about the fact that it's like, this has got to be an enemy stand. This is enemy stand nonsense. Uh, Polnareff then looks at maybe the two creepiest looking people in town that are drawn as like misshapen monster people in a real crazy way. I think it's just like the meat and potatoes of a JoJo universe. Aren't most people ugly? Like if they're not not a main character. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you're if you're not a named character, you're disgusting. Uh, we then see, and here's something that I had to go back and check. It's like, she said bed and breakfast, but when they get there, all of a sudden this bed and breakfast is a hotel. And she never refers to it as a bed and breakfast again. Yeah, that's interchangeable. I guess that makes sense. But then she talks, she spins a big yarn where it's like, a Bond film was filmed here, and John Lennon from the Beatles stayed here. And Paul Nareff is like, gee golly, really? And she's like, no, but it's good enough to have had those things. Oh, I love how long they go along with this. Just the whole the cosmic irony that the viewer knows exactly who she is and why she's there. And yeah. despite all the rage that we've seen on this woman. Oh, it, I think it's hilarious to see her drawn as this sweet old lady. Like, it's really funny. Because we've just seen her as this, like, seething pile of anger. And she's all like, oh, hey. Smiles and giggles and gumdrops hotels good toilets oh this is a great hotel and uh she's yeah she's like come on in here mr joe star we've got meat and or fish for dinner and uh nani jotaro is like hold on when did you hear the name joe star and it may be the best gamble of all time she's like polnara well she doesn't say polnara but she points at polnara it's like he said it and polnara's like that does sound like something i would say (laughs) (laughs) i mean well played it's such a great she she oh, sees the weak link and she pushes it. Also, like I like this we get a good moment from Jojo because he's he's stepping up as he has yeah. been as as the thinking man Jojo again. He's catching on all these stupid things, even though he's not catching on all of them. Mm-hmm. I still gotta miss that best thing. It's so good. It's so good. And I just love the thing where Paul is like, I don't remember saying it. She's like, Yeah, you did. He's like, I guess I did. Yeah, that sounds like me. I would say that. I would say Mr. Uh, Joe Star, but he probably did. <laughs> I, I gotta say, though, Rocky, in, in this last season, he's been really heavy on the threatening of genitals. Oh, man, I had a lot of notes about that. Okay. Um, bef- before we get to that line, uh, it is kind of fun, and Polnareff notices it, too. Uh, 
And Enya and Yaba has uh, covered her hand, so they don't notice that she has two right hands like her son Jig Isle. Not that and, I think uh, Polnareff is looking anymore. Yeah, Polnareff is forgotten about. Like he was like <laughs> Joseph Joestar has two normal looking hands, and he's still like, "Can you take your glove off?" <laughs> She's like completely hidden her entire like forearm and upper arm, not just the hand. And he's like. Oh, you okay over there, old lady? And then he ends up like flirting with her a little bit and trying to be like he's Polnareff. He's just being Polnareff. Yeah. And, and then she uh, has a monologue about threatening his dick. She's gonna she's gonna cut it off. Yet again. Uh, is it always around to Polnareff or is it just everyone? No, everyone's out to destroy Polnareff's <laughs> well, Polnareff's saber. Because last time I remember that coming up a lot was from um Devil, I think it was. Like mm, yeah, they, they had a back and forth about it, and I know there was like one before that too. It was like Rocket really has a theme going on here. <laughs> you know, this was this would have been unbecoming of Gentleman Jonathan. Is all I'm exactly. Saying. They would Gentleman never have Jonathan. talked like this back then. Well, Gentleman Jonathan, number one, would have fallen for this too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he would have fallen hard. <laughs> he would have fallen for this so hard. But like the scissor seeds would have somehow like the scissors would have snapped on his taut skin or something like that. <laughs> uh. Uh, but I, I also would like to mention as as we enter the hotel that this is the second murder hotel we've seen Joseph enter. You're right. <laughs> he's, he keeps wandering into terrible murder hotels. Man, he's he's destined to relive the worst parts of his life, isn't he? But there's no wired Beck in this one. Wired Beck. Spike guy? Yeah, that's the Spike guy. Spike guy. Everyone's like bargain bin Jack the Ripper. Wired Beck. <laughs> he, he got killed by a scarf. He got killed by a scarf. <laughs> oh, Wired Beck. We thought you'd get an episode, but you didn't. <laughs> uh, it's it's some good stuff. Actually, great stuff here, too. Um, Polnareff, and this is fantastic. Um... Real Charmer does a Beatles pun with his name where he's like, man, you know, it's like because they're all signing the guest book. And he's like, I wonder if my signature will be as worth as much as John Lennon because I am Paul Nareff. And I thought that was hilarious. Uh, you would. Um, it, I, it's, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> and she immediately was like, I'm going to murder you in her head. She really wants to kill him. That's, that's been funny. Just hearing that in her over and over again. Oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get him. He'll, he'll do one more thing. Super's like, I got to kill you. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. They all end up in their rooms. Paul Nareff does like a big kitty dive into it. I think he did the same thing the last time in their hotel. Paul Nareff's really big at doing like dive jumps into like beds. Um, and because this is his arc right now, he immediately starts thinking about toilets. Uh, the rest of the team, however, is trying to find a working TV so they can use purple hermit on it. Yeah, because Joseph pulls more rules out of his ass. Now it's got to be a working TV. I mean, I guess the other one worked until it exploded. Yeah, it did. I mean, it did work. It's just how did he? I understand why it has to work. Like, I get it. It just it keeps feeling like he keeps pulling a new rule out of his ass every yeah. time he does something with Purple Hermit. But did it work? <laughs> um, because it said don't trust Polner the Kakyoin, and it didn't say uh, the fake Kakyoin. <laughs> think it helped them at all because they did it literally changed nothing they did you're right they never called him like they didn't actually get to talk to jo jotaro until Anne called the hotel yeah they, so did, they did nothing 
they did nothing with that information at all. They saw real Kakyoin before they could use that information. <laughs> but anyway, they want to do that stupid thing again. And yeah. uh, Paul Naraf is off on his toilet quest. Um, I don't know why I got so excited and happy about this next You thing. know a, why. I know why, because I'm me. We get a POV shot of somebody entering the hotel, and by golly, it's Whole Horse. Matt, Whole Horse is back. <laughs> What? It's another two-parter? I'm back then, bitches. <laughs> hey, whole horse here. I show up for all the two-parters. And he's allowed to smoke because he's not yeah. a child. I, that has to be why. <laughs> like, seeing him, like, with a cigarette. It's like, the amount of times we saw JoJo being censored, I'm like, just seeing him with a cigarette, I'm like, oh, look at that guy. Look at that old man. That adult. But yeah, we have a we have a uh, a kind of a goofy scene. Uh, the old lady sees whole horse and immediately recognizes him, and then she starts crying. And it's like, why aren't you more broken up about my son Jay Guile? You were his, you were a buddy of his, right? And he's like, it, it's great too because he's like completely not picking up on the fact that she's a grieving mom. And slowly but surely, like, yeah, no, that's a real, that's a real pity about him. Uh, and that that kind of plays back and forth until she stabs him in the arm with scissors, which was some old school gruesome action right there. Kind of out of nowhere. Why does she carry scissors of all things on her? It's a weird weapon to use. Like I don't know if there's like a. No, I'm not even going to pretend this is somehow a reference to the Justice Arcana. Like I think she just has scissors. Yeah, it's just her thing. Scissors. Maybe it's a horror movie her. reference or something. Or but yeah, she stabs him in the arm with a scissor. And it's real gnarly because, like, she, like, um, you know, just, like, she, like, kind of, like, like opens and closes the scissor without the other yeah. one kind of going in and just, like, and rightfully so, she's just, like, if you're here and Jay Guile isn't, you must have left him to die. She is he, not wrong. He is wrong. He didn't leave him to die. He got himself fucked in, like, a, like an off fight. Yeah. <clears throat> well, remember his, oh, yeah, well, he he, he got beat up after... <laughs> Yeah, he, they got separated, and Jay Guile, I guess, went too much in for the gold. Yeah, he he ran for his life after he lost his buddy because that was his. Yeah. His card was someone else's heavy lifting. He's like, I'm a number two. I'm a number two. Uh, we then now discover the power of justice. Uh, the cut wound on his arm expands into one of those holes that we saw at our our, our uh, victim earlier on the street. And I had to make a note that she refers to it as a fine hole. <laughs> the wound in your arm is now a fine hole. Very fine hole, Pat. It's a very fine hole. Um, <laughs> and we find out that uh, she's able to pump fog into those fine holes and then basically uh, control people with uh, the fog like they're a puppet. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, as we will realize, oh, in the next episode, I guess, is that the it doesn't matter how big the hole is. They seem to just exert a, a, a huge amount of force. Yeah, but only on the part where the hole is. So yeah. She's, she's only manipulating his arm right now, because it's where, where she made yeah. a wound. Which is, um, man, we get, a, we get a crazy moment where she then forces him to, like, noodle himself, where he jams his fists into his mouth. And it's real crazy. I thought that was going to kill him. But silly me, and sillier whole horse, he then summons the emperor into the hand that is, in the arm that's controlled by her. Do you think he could have done it in his offhand? I guess or maybe it, it has to be that off. hand. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, so but I, yeah, wouldn't he, have, he, I wouldn't have put it past him to not think otherwise in the moment of freaking out about 
yeah. fisting his own mouth to death at the second. I would be also freaking out if that happened to me. But he, he pulls out Emperor, and she immediately spins it at him and shoots him, and I guess we're down whole horse. Um, I guess like right in his face, too. Yeah, You know, good on him, though, because literally no one else, his first instinct was to shoot Inyaba. Yeah. Not the mist, not the stand, not any <laughs> of the things around him, but the user standing right in front of him who clearly would die. Yeah. He had immediately the right idea. Uh, we then see that Polnareff is is uh, walking around, either looking for a bathroom, and he hears the sound, and then the episode's immediately over. And I was caught off guard by that being the ending point. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, last time we had, like, a big two-parter. We had, like, credits rolling through the yeah. two-parter. This one just kind of stops. They're like, oops, we ran out of time. It really does feel like they just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we uh, Do you want to discuss this at all? You went to the end of both parts before we, we dig into more comments. Uh, I think we might as well jump into the next, because it, it picks up, like, immediately. Like, there's no, no yeah. pause. It, it, this is like, a, oh, please pull out the tape, flip to side B, put the tape back in. Yeah. Um, boy, that reference aged. <laughs> uh, episode 15 justice part two uh i knew this was going to be a banger because it starts with the intro we don't even get like a previously on or nothing it's just right into intro like i think we left off like at the exact cut we stopped on yeah uh coming back we then have a great sequence where yaba is worried about paul coming into the room because she has whole horses a whole horse's corpse there and she's like oh no if paul Naraf sees this corpse He'll probably yell or make a noise, and then they'll all come down, and I want to take them all 1v1. So, like... I love this cheaply animated scene, too, because it's... The whole scene is just a still shot of her worried face. Yeah. Like, with, like a little bit of sweat, but they move the eyes... Like, just her eyes move. They didn't want yeah. to animate anything else around her while she's freaking out. They, they save their budget. She's like, out, like, how do I hide this body without the Frenchman finding it? And boy, oh boy... I thought that she made the best gamble being like leaning into Polnareff being dumb enough to believe he said Mr. Joestar. Um, Polnareff comes into the room and she acts like she had fallen and she's like, oh, my hip. And Polnareff rushes over to check on her and like right behind him is whole horse's dead body on the ground. And she's just gambling that he won't turn around. Uh, she's... it's interesting that we got to see a lot of this episode for, for, from the uh, villain monologue at this point. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we've really had this before in a JoJo episode where we where we mostly see the villains' plot coming ahead of time and hear them trying to work around um, what the heroes are going to be doing about her. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, this really is from her perspective. So this isn't like one of the main because it is a hero's mo- like they have. The, she's doing like a, a main character monologue of like I gotta hide this thing so they don't notice and ah like she's she's dealing with a thing. However, uh, Paul Naraf is an idiot, so she is just using the mist. <laughs> the bar is set low. Yeah, the bar is super low. So while they're having their conversation, she uses justice to comically drag whole horse's corpse underneath the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was animated in a really funny manner. Like, that whole bit was really funny. But nothing tops what happens right after. Yeah, I love this scene. This might be my favorite part. Holy moly. They wrote comedy, and it all nails. Um, Polnareff attempts to be nice, but then immediately triggers her about talking about her son. And then, <laughs> instead of noticing that that makes her grit her teeth, he's like, boy, this is such a big place. Man, I bet you could have grandkids. Do you got grandkids? You know what's the best thing in the world? Family and having kids and having families. Aren't they great? 
Yeah, you know, you should have a son. If you had a son, would he look like me? Would he be older or younger than me if you had a son? (laughs) Oh, well. You should have a son. You know that? (laughs) That whole thing was like, would it be about my age? Like, leaning it in. (laughs) And I've got to say, despite what happens to him later, I feel like he wins. Yeah. Like, this this whole torturing of her completely inadvertently is a victory entirely on its own because she is twitching and freaking out oh, inside <laughs> it's so good him mr mcgooing into everything she hates is the <laughs> funniest thing in the world um and then she says like well my son has died and he's like oh i'm so sorry and he like puts her in the chair and starts trying to massage her and tries to be super kind and nice and then he says the line think of me as your son oh and then her eternal monologue immediately goes you're the asshole that killed him <laughs> She is like freaking out and he's doing his best to be nice. And I, this scene could have gone on forever and I would have been okay. <laughs> I, also, I was hoping at this point, I think that this is going to be most of the episode. Yeah. Her never actually being able to act on anything. Uh, but yeah, so all that's going on. Uh, oh my goodness. Whole horse is still alive. <laughs> Crawling out from under the furniture from which he was stashed. Yeah, he must have woken up when he like bumped his head on the bottom of the couch or something. So he's crawling out, and in in an incredible bit, Paul Naraf doesn't recognize Whole Horse. He, he does eventually, but it takes him way too long. We're like Whole Horse is like, "You're in danger! Look out! Look out, man! This is real bad." And he's like, "Wait a minute! Who are you?" Man, imagine if she had just actually teamed up with Whole Horse for this episode. And they killed him right after? Yeah. You know what? She would have won. She would have. Because he was <laughs> too dumb to do anything else. Uh, at that point, she then has her scissors out again, tries to stab uh, Polnareff, and he summons Silver Chariot, and they have a scissor sword fight. <laughs> uh, Polnareff then screams for help, but I guess nobody hears him. She made sure of it somehow with all of her zombies. I guess so, yeah. She sure um, said so. Yeah. Uh, we then uh, we have a bit where it's like, oh man, what's going to happen? And she summons in the entire town of dead people. Who are, I, were they in the lobby? They, we didn't see anyone before. Yeah, like, but I like they, all, I, oh, yeah, they burst I in there. She, she, well, half of that hotel's not real, I think, so... They're probably always just kind of standing around. Yeah. And uh, I had to write in my notes, dead baby alert. Oh, yeah. We should see like a brief frame of that here. There's a a zombie baby that disrobes to show off all of its fine holes. Very fine holes. Which is like tentacles, I think, too. Yeah. Well, everyone has tentacle tongues. Yeah. But I, I don't know if the tentacle tongues have been revealed yet, but that's hey everyone, no, no, no. tentacle they're, tongues. They're, they're, they're there. They're all in the they all got tentacle tongues, they're all wiggling and sticking out, which I'm not quite sure how Justice does that to them. Yeah, I know. How does how does she make them have that? Uh we do have a bit where now that it's officially fight time, the old lady does describe the rules of how justice like like a proper stand fight, she describes how justice works. And then comments, uh, crazily enough that uh, she could control hundreds, if not thousands of people or corpses if she wanted to. Um, uh, this is pretty funny. Whole horse uh, attempts to be helpful there. And uh, this is when the the, non- the zombie knife guys show up. And whole horse is like, hey, help me out, Paul Naraf. Why are you leaving me behind? And then Paul yeah. like, you killed Abdol. Get fucked. 
Yeah. Like, why are you leaving me back, bro? Save me. He's like, you killed Abdul. Good luck with that. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. We get a thing where the old lady and the zombies are chasing Polnareff, and she could book it. Yeah, she's fast. She's this she's real quick. I, I I think of her as practically flying in anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polnareff manages to get out in the hallway. He uh does a. I think we put a chair. Uh, oh, excuse me. You put a chair underneath a doorknob, and he's yeah. he's he's in a hallway. He's basically freaking out with all the zombies being on the other side of that. He then rightfully wishes that he's like, I wish the team was with me. I wish this was a team battle. Why am I doing this alone again? They gotta stop getting separate rooms. They really do. He, he well, he he's separated from the pack. This is his fault. True. Um. I, I wouldn't blame him for uh, fighting uh, the uh, the devil, but <laughs> this one a little on his fault. <laughs> what do you think Mr. Joestar is doing right now back in his hotel room? He's smacking every TV he can find, trying to find one that <laughs> Purple Hormone will work on. Or he's like... Why did he just like, find a handful of dust? Show me a map to a working TV. Oh, that's Ooh. right. Why didn't he do that? Whatever, he's sitting in his room like... Continually saying "Assalamualaikum, Assalamualaikum, Assalamualaikum." <laughs> Why didn't that work? Did I miss it? it? Hold on, that should have worked. He's like looking at his notes. <laughs> but yeah, we don't get to see what he's up to. This is, he is officially not really in this episode. He does make a comeback, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a whole bit where like Paul Naraf tries to hide in a room. Hey, guess what? It's the bathroom. He's in the bathroom again. It's a he's gross have one. A problem. It's he a real gross like one. It. He hates it. He's like, why do I always have to have bathroom fights? This is the worst. And we kind of like a tense thing. You see shadows under the door. And like a doofus, like a doofus, Paul Naraf decides to peek out of the uh, keyhole. That's fair, though. Like, they, all, they, all want, they all went away. He needs to know if they're out there still. Just, um, just wait in there until the gang finds you or it's daybreak or something. I, why didn't fans, man? Why don't they use stands? Why don't oh or yeah or use silver chariot to kill all the zombies because if they're uh whatever there's a zombie on the other side of the keyhole and it uses its knife tongue through the keyhole to cut his tongue. It's a pretty creepy moment where he's like hiding in the bathroom for dear life. Oh, I think it's super tense. I think it's yeah. well done. It's scary. Maybe I'm underselling it, but yeah, they did do a great job yeah. of this. Yeah, and then he looks in the keyhole and there's an eye there, and he gets Frenched. It gets yeah, it's the French kiss of death of doom. Yeah. It's a spiky tongue, because it goes right through his. He gets a new piercing. Yep, and then he gets a fine hole in his tongue, and uh, uh, the old lady is able to control him via his tongue. So he's being dragged around, slammed on the ceiling, slammed on the ground. Uh, there's this great moment where she forces all of the zombies to laugh at him. Uh, if she wasn't so petty and vindictive, you know? Yeah, she's a great villain. She could have. She could have won. She could. She could have done good things or bad things. I guess. Yeah, good bad things. I mean, remember but, she is way into Dio. Yeah. She's like, let me just hang out in your castle, man. Um. <laughs> we have this whole bit where she is just like berating him and taunting him and yelling at him, and in the background you could see um whole horse like crawling into frame. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Oh, that's funny. And then we, God, she she is licking her tongue for way too long, Pat. Oh my God, I don't even know like how much detail we need to go into this. But basically, the whole crux of this is she can control his tongue. She heard how much he hates uh, dirty bathrooms. 
and she's going to psychically make him uh, lick it clean. And we have what felt like like 30 seconds, maybe not 30 seconds, of her just making, like, this if you episode, thought Cat Coin yeah. was, was his, like, better, better, was over the top. She goes to town on that. This episode is 23 minutes and 51 seconds long. I think she spent 23 minutes going with her tongue in an up close. You're going to make it clean. While dragging Polnareff's tongue closer to cleaning the toilet. And you just, they have a bit where it like, it's cutting to her, cutting to him, and you can see his tongue like inching millimeter by millimeter by millimeter by millimeter. And they really milk it. They super milk it. <laughs> um, and then we cut to Jotaro, who is kicking open the door from that previous room they were all in. And like, she rushes in like, oh my goodness, why'd you kick open the door? Why didn't you knock? And he's like, I did knock. You up to stuff? Uh, Jojo is great for the rest of this episode. He's fantastic. He actually then gets a menacing. They flash yeah. a menacing at him. Person up to something says what? Yeah. <laughs> and we get a great bit where you get to get her internal monologue, I think, really makes this episode. She's like, oh, no, Jotaro isn't an idiot like Palmerat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to feel bad because the idiot's the one that killed her son. Yeah. Like, come on. Man. We, oh my goodness. It's it's great. And then she tries to go for a big swing where it's like Paul Raff is just in the bathroom. And he's like, Oh, really, huh? Well, let me go over there. And he starts walking towards the door. And when she sees him turn, she goes in for the stab. And he goes like, Oh, hold on, one more thing, and turns around. And in the act of turning around, he trips her and she almost like falls into her scissors. Like almost gets a scissor. You don't run with scissors. Yep, you don't, don't run with scissors. scissors. That was the lesson here. Um, and on my note, I'm like, wait, did he Magoo or or was this on purpose? At this point, I couldn't actually quite tell. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little worried, too, because I wasn't sure if he did that on purpose. Because the way he acts so blasé about it afterwards. Yeah. It's like, don't, like, you should be careful, old lady. Like, yeah. is JoJo that much of an asshole that if he doesn't suspect, he would have said that to an old woman who nearly impaled her eye? Yeah, it's like, you shouldn't run with scissors. That's what happens. Um, she... <laughs> She calls him Jotaro. He's like, you called me Jotaro at one point. And then she starts freaking out, which is great, because she has like a full, like, I've been caught. And then he mentions that he watched the show Columbo as a kid. <laughs> and holy moly, how can you even deal with that? Because that's just, this, this whole scene is a Columbo scene. Eh, this is one more thing. <laughs> I love the idea that he basically, that's... You know what? Actually, this works great in the episode because Paul Naraf is Tom and Jerry. Jotaro is Columbo. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll go with that, yeah. I think that's, it, that pays off to Tom him. and Jerry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cat Coin is that thing that airs in hotels when you turn on the TV. <laughs> it just tells you about the hotel. <laughs> that, like, six-minute, like, on-repeat thing. Yeah. You yeah. can have dinner in the lobby. I can have dinner in the lobby, huh? Hmm. I wonder if there's a student discount. <laughs> oh, okay, Coin. Anyway, we have an incredible moment where she's like, um, he the layers on layers, man. Um she's like, I know you're Jotaro because you wrote it in the in the guest book. And he's like, You mean this book? <laughs> he has the he wrote it the, in with him already. He wrote it in with him. Like, this is going so good for him. <laughs> so good for him. And he's like, 
and he opens it up and he wrote instead of Jotar, he wrote Quotaro. Yeah, it's like instead of the J O, it's just a Q. Yeah, it's a Q at the start. So Quotaro, um, and it's so funny. It's so funny. Why would he have not written it in kanji? That's a good point. We lucked out. We lucked out. Well, maybe he didn't think she spoke Japanese. Maybe. I don't know. Beats okay. me. Like, what language are they speaking in this scene? What are they speaking in this scene? Maybe they're all talking in English. Do you think they keep? They think they all are very multilingual, and they keep changing their language every country they go to, and we just don't know. I assume that Polnareff speaks at least three languages. Mm. What if he does? What if French isn't one of them? Like, does Joseph know Japanese? That's a good question. Have they all been speaking in English for his benefit? God, like, I, yeah, I know I the know. show's in Japanese because it's an anime, but is everyone taught? Is Joseph speaking Japanese? It has been very ambiguous. If you try to think back to this, it's always been very ambiguous and. and... Like, okay, season part one is very straightforward. They're English. Everyone's speaking English. Yeah. Because it's all in England and everyone is English. But beginning with part two, like, as soon as we're in Italy, it gets more ambiguous as to what language everyone should be speaking at any point in time. Yeah. And there's no one, like, no one ever says, well, why aren't you speaking in my language? At any No, it's always everyone understands each other. Maybe the Speedwagon Foundation invented uh, Universal Translators. <laughs> Uh, I actually think they're all speaking English. I wonder what language that what language are they all speaking in JoJo? I don't think I think I don't think Joseph's racism translated to him like refusing to learn another language necessarily. I'm just trying to figure out because it's like <sighs> okay, great. There is a Reddit post about this. Oh, good. Like, what language is everyone speaking? Tons yeah, I know of we, comments. We, we couldn't have been the first two idiots to, to have that question. There's got to be no... Oh, this is great. Uh, full full credit to the person of the JoJo thing. <laughs> Joseph is in a similar, similar uh, situation. It seems like he's continued his travel since part two, possibly selling real estate to international clients. Eh. Oh, my goodness. Um... What if he doesn't have a real job? He just maybe he's a real estate agent for the Speedwagon Foundation. Maybe and they, oh. it's just a cushy thing they gave him. All right, never mind. This is one big. I love this Reddit post because okay. it goes through how everyone could speak multiple. I'm sorry to just not pay attention because like it goes through this whole thing about how many languages people speak. And it goes. However, I don't believe for a second that Spolner, that Polnareff can speak any language other than French. I have trouble believing that he knows <laughs> French. <laughs> That's what I was just saying. How did he ever talk to Whole Horse? <laughs> so yeah, this is a great. Uh, this is a great. Okay. Uh, everything about this is perfect. Um, anyway, he wrote it in English, so maybe they're okay, speaking yeah. English. Um, but it's great. He does the Columbo honor. He set this big trap. I think that's amazing. He never believed in her when she said Joe Star. He had her number. Yep, he knew all along. And then he said, uh, you're the stand user. So she summons zombie gang, and he immediately oro, 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 oro's them all away. Punches his way out of it. You know, something Polnareff didn't think he could do. Yeah. He could have totally done it, but he didn't. And uh, at least his, we think, yeah. His stand is supposed to be faster, isn't it? Like, I know I've labored this point a lot, 
But when, when your whole thing is supposed to be speed, like you either are the speed guy or you're not. <laughs> he's the he's the uh he's the birder of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm. He's got a whole mode where he could go faster than fast and Star Platinum may still be faster. <laughs> we'll have to look at their speed stats. Oh, yeah, maybe if we find the translation of that. Yeah. Hold on. I'm looking. Oh, you're looking it up? I'm going to look it up. Hey, uh, JoJo, uh, so uh, let me see here. Oh, never mind. This is a clip from Stan Stats Make No Sense. So maybe this is a fool's oh, errand. Okay. I think Star Platinum has an A in speed. None of them are in English, so I'm giving up on this. But anyway, all of our complaints are correct. Uh, He hits all of the zombie gang except for, oh no, Dead Baby. Dead Baby is part of the JoJo. The Dead Baby made one last comeback. Dead Baby has the strongest of drill tongues. It's not even like a knife tongue, it's a drill tongue. Yeah, because right... You... You were the guy who had a thing with dead babies, weren't you? Yes. Everyone's creeped out about them, but you had something like very specific. So I thought that um, there would be nothing creepier than a dead baby. And I was like, man, when I write my horror thing, it's going to have creepy dead baby monsters. And then every time I see dead babies, I'm like, I called it. <laughs> I did not call like this I, one. This one. How dare you steal my dead baby idea? Oh. Okay, I don't want to say it like that, but yes, I had that mistaken belief <laughs> in my head. Uh, it's like, if only like, I had, if only I were talented and could write and or draw, I could have gone to the dead baby market before anyone else. Was it Doom Three you saw it in, or uh, Dead Space? Dead Space, yeah, Dead Space. Dead Space Dead literally Dead. has yeah. like uh, Dead Space Two was like a nursery in on the on the station. I never played Dead Space Two, so it had to have been one. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe it wasn't one. I don't separate them very well in my head. I don't. I I I hear that. Whatever, they're great games. Anyway, yeah, Dead Baby OP. Okay. And do we see him kick away Dead Baby, or what happens? Uh, yes, I think he punched it. Hold on. Okay. Find out. <laughs> All right, you have you have the video in front of you. My notes <laughs> don't mention what happens to dead baby. Play that tape. Play the tape. Play rewind that beautiful bean footage. Because the next thing I have in my notes is it literally goes, "Oh no, dead baby is OP," and then it says, "Whole horse waits far too long to warn JoJo about all of this." Oh, I don't think we saw what happened to that baby. Okay, so they cut the whole horse who bursts in. Um, he bursts into the room it. with. Yeah. And he's just like, watch out, man. If you get cut, she can use her powers on you. And it's like after he's been cut. So whole horse is useless. Right. Yeah, the baby just disappears. Nothing happens to it. Yeah. He's um, holding it one scene and then not. Okay. Yeah. So dead baby is just written out of the show. Uh, so whole horse tries to ward jo- Jotaro. She can still control whole horse's arms. So she has him uh, punch himself in the face. And then um, <laughs> Jotaro tries to use Star Platinum to punch uh, Justice, and it's just Fog. She's like, you can't punch Fog. And Whole Horse then yells, it's the ultimate stand, which I wrote is the new, it's a genius. <laughs> yes, I really, he had a little bit of speed wagon in him. That's the a ultimate stand. A little bit stand. of speed wagon at that moment. <laughs> no one can beat that. It's impossible I to can't, beat. Therefore... I literally tried to shoot the old woman earlier, which would have solved all of our problems, but I guess no one else is thinking of that. He probably oh, still could, because she's distracted all the time. Yeah. 
Ugh. Uh, yeah, then we got the, the wonderful monologue from her that is just dumb as rocks. It's a dumb monologue. Like, you can't punch fog. <laughs> I love that. And all the ways she tries to say it over and over again. Yeah, and then uh, she, Jotaro inter- uh, like, interrupts that this whole like whole horse being speed wagon and the lady being a bragger by being like, nope, I've already won. You guys yeah, notice it? Before we get... Before we get to the JoJo real victory, oh please, here, please, please! Once again, I, I gotta ask: Why did he not punch her? Why did he go for the fog? I don't understand why he didn't think to punch her. They, these fights always have this issue. This seems to be a common issue since part three began. Yeah, where the, they always tunnel vision on these stand fights. Yeah, like they they either focus entirely on fighting the stand, or they focus entirely on the person. And whenever it would have been convenient to switch, they just don't. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, there's really no defense. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, why didn't he well, use Starfinger? Yeah, well, Starfinger, because Starfinger is lame and he knows it. <laughs> he regrets Starfi- Starfinger was a mistake. <laughs> I don't think Joseph is ever going to own up to Clackers being dumb. But, jo- but uh, Jotaro, Jotaro knows better. He knows, he knows Starfinger better. was a problem. Um, what if it had been his nose instead of the fingers? Star nose, and he Pinocchio people to death. Uh, I don't think that I don't think it'd be much better. You know that'd be better than this. Anyway, what we're talking about is the fact that she starts choking because Star Platinum, uh, sucks up justice. Anyway, like yes, yeah. So the real answer was because this was so much cooler than punching her. Yeah, this this he, was so much better. He he is able to um. Just able to like, <laughs> it just does like a deep breath and is able to suck at justice. And because justice is now not on the open air, uh, she starts to just um, either either she's compressed by being inside of him or she can't breathe. She just kind of like chokes. And I thought she died saying that I'm very angry. I love that. She's like, I'm very angry. Uh, Joseph returns to the episode in force. We've now cut back out to the lobby. And Joseph forces Paul Naraf to say that he licked a toilet, and it's amazing. It's hilarious. <laughs> He's really hanging it out of him, and once again, Joseph is just the best character. Joseph no is great. Than Joseph. I just love that he always feels just... It doesn't feel like he's ever aged. Almost never feels like he's aged. Yes. He's still, he has still got the, the childlike joy of Joseph Joestar. Yeah. And uh, the best part, too, is Kakyoin is not in on the joke <laughs> like sir i think he said that he licked a toilet so oh I, look God. i know that but let me have this fun did he say toilet joseph have fun with this yeah come on pull up to me head we can do this for a while oh god it's it's amazing there is a there is a moment where he starts um like he, he starts like hitting the ground because he's laughing so hard like that thing where he's like bashing fists into the ground. Like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, he's a good friend. Oh my goodness. It's, it's the best stuff ever. It's the best stuff ever. Uh, we then, uh, I guess the episode kind of wraps up. Uh, we have a couple of like closing thoughts. Uh, the old lady. Oh wait, uh, they walk outside. Uh, it turns out the town was like a graveyard. Like the town may not have really been, this may just have been like a house next to a, next to a graveyard. And, None of it makes sense, and the old lady's not dead, and 
Joseph mentions that uh, <laughs> that they need to keep her alive because he can use Purple Hermit to read her brain using a TV. I can't explain how much I love it every time Joseph pulls new bullshit out of his ass for his stand. He's like, don't worry, it'll work. It'll work. They're like, but that doesn't make any shh. <laughs> Look, now my st- he's used to it, though, because what he used to be able to do with Haman. He can just keep making up shit all he wants. It's oh legit, right? It's, um, it's... Oh, did you notice this? Maybe it was just me. I thought this was really weird. When they're all standing over around in Yaba, mm-hmm. immediately after Joseph says that, you know, they're going to try and get her to talk. And if we do, that'd be a great advantage. They switched all four of them, standing up them. And Polnareff makes this noise. Did you notice this? Oh, I didn't hear his noise. It's weird, because there's no... Like, no one acknowledges it. There's no subtitle for it. He just kind of goes... Or something. (laughs) For no reason that I can tell. It just seems out of nowhere. That is... Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what that sound was. I'll have to go back and rewatch that scene. I don't know. Maybe Polnareff is, is worried about keeping her alive because of his tongue. I'm Which he does need having... to disinfect. He should definitely disinfect that ton. Oh my goodness. Um, and then the episode wraps up with Whole Horse who has stolen their car and is driving away. And it's like, I'm still on Team Dio. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. It's like, yep, still working for Dio. <laughs> for me. He is such a great heel. It's so good. He's like, I'm still on Dio's team, but if I were you, I'd kill that old lady ASAP. Bye. <laughs> At, at first, I guess it hits a rock and it kind of bounces. I thought the car was going to fly off into the sky. Mm. Like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something like that. Mm. Uh, oh my goodness. But yeah, so that ends the uh, the Justice two-parter. I, I thought this was great. I thought this was another solid two episodes of JoJo. Yep, I loved it. Again, mostly just for watching. It was so strange when... Um, and you- yeah, but just showed up in the middle of that mist. It's like, oh, there's going to be no playing around about this. She's just going to show straight up into the episode. <laughs> and I think you had the best take, too, where you're just like, this is more from her perspective. Which is such a great angle. I think that's what helped it make it feel. I mean, it's just starting to feel more and more like um, more and more like JoJo again. Just the feel of it. Right. It was fun. I just, I loved hearing her distress over and over again. Polnareff magooing his way to being like just the most annoying person possible. <laughs> that whole thing, like, you know, what's the best thing in the world? Families, especially families that are alive. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then Joseph showing up at the end of the episode, and despite that, all their lives being in danger, he just can't let go that Polnareff licked the toilet. He takes, he takes time out of his busy schedule to make sure that Polnareff <laughs> feels like garbage, and it is incredible. He has maybe made him feel too embarrassed to take the necessary uh, yeah. medications that he should be. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm excited for more Whole Horse. Yeah, I'm so glad he's, be, he's being this reoccurring heel yeah, because that's something... So I in the first episode we did of this series, um, I, I I poorly said it's like the difference is is that like Dio is at present is like all the other ones, like the villains kind of hang out for a while. So you, you can kind of fall in love. We've had a, like a lot of one-off villains, so I'm really excited that Whole Horse could be like, oh, we get to see Whole Horse again. 
Like, just as I was always excited to see cars or, well, <laughs> cars or ACDC or Whamu. Like, it's cool that I was like, oh, I can look forward to seeing Whole Horse because yeah. Dio is basically a meme in this show where he will flesh bud somebody and we don't really get him. Yeah, and we haven't we... seen him in a while, I think. No, we haven't. And if we did. We haven't, we've, we've had very little characterization for Dio so far other than like a, um, like a Dracula speech. I think he gave once in front of Anyaba. Yeah. Um, I guess we're we're not even halfway done yet, so he's got plenty of time to to show up and give us monologues, I suppose. No, we we got plenty of Dio time, but yeah, I and the group's really starting. I think I think the best part of this too is the group finally feels like a group. Like in yeah. in this in this last couple block of episodes, this is the team we got. They have great chemistry. Everyone has a role to play. I do feel kind of bad that it's like I don't necessarily miss Avdol. Like we joked about him a couple of times, but I'm not quite sure. Like yeah, I don't. It doesn't feel like they're missing a link necessarily. Yeah, like that, that feels like they're playing with a full deck. Yeah, they, uh, there's enough difference between the characters of Polnareff's an idiot, Joseph is precocious and bombastic, Jotaro is the quiet, like smart character, and then you have Kakcoin is kind of like an innocent, <laughs> just ties to deal character, who loves cherries. Unless there's yeah, unless there's a cherry in the room. Stand back. Although he does stand have the creepiest back. stand, so I don't know. Oh god, Hero Fan Green is so creepy. So very creepy. But yeah, I'm excited to see where we go next. Um, I guess maybe we'll still be in pack uh in Pakistan. I guess it's another two parter. So yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to see. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah. Any final thoughts for this episode? Uh Whole Horse is great. I and do. Joseph is still the best. Yeah, Joseph is the best. Welcome to the welcome to the team, whole horse. All right, I think that's a book out. Book out.